Matthew 6 and uh, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these, everybody say all these, these. things shall be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let's pray. Lords, we come today, we thank you and praise you for your blessings today. We thank you for all those that are here in the service. We pray for those that are absent today due to sickness and uh, whatever the reason may be. Now speak to us through your word. Give us what we need today, and everything's accomplished. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Start the, uh, the video. Time set out a large, wide mouthed jar. Into the jar, he put a dozen fist sized rocks. He asked, Is this jar full? His class said, Yes. He poured and shook in gravel, filling the spaces between the big rocks. Then he dumped and shook in sand between the rocks and gravel. Finally, he poured water to the jar's brim. Then he said, If you don't put the big things in first, they'll never fit in. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. The big rocks represent our big priorities. Unless they get first place, the smaller priorities will pour in, consume our time, and leave no room for what's most important in the high calling of our daily work. Hallelujah. I want to speak on a subject title today, Keep It in the Right Order. Keep it in the right order. As you can no doubt already tell, the message today is has to do with priorities. And we're going to be talking primarily about these uh, and illustration there that you've seen on, on the video uh, that was performed by a uh, college professor who first filled the, uh, the jar up with rocks and asked the class if it was filled. He said yes. But then he added the pebbles and asked again, is it filled? And everybody said yes. Uh, and then added the sand. And they said, is the jar filled? Yes. But then he added finally the water. And it kept surprising them how so much more could be put into the jar uh, uh, after them thinking that um, everything was already, it was already filled. But if you started, got in there, no, you started with the sand or the pebbles. You, you would not have gotten everything in the jar that you got in. The jar represents our lives. And the things we have 
and put into our lives. If we want to have complete fulfillment and happiness in our life, we have got to keep things in the right order. We've got to put first things first and not try to add things to our life out of the little insignificant things that uh, we need to make sure that the important things are put there first in our life. Of course, we're talking, we're talking about family, uh, and uh, we, we're talking, talking about uh, the Lord and church and things uh, of that, that nature. I heard Brother Bobby, as he was teaching the Bible class in Sunday school earlier this morning, uh, uh, make the comment that I think all of us make uh, when we go to uh, uh, a certain family event uh, and uh, because we do it in our family, my family, uh, you know, uh, the comment is made a lot of times, how come we don't, we don't see one another more often? And the comment is made, seems like the only time that, um, that we see one another and get together is at a funeral, you know. And, and really, folks, it should not be that way, amen, because a lot of times we get so pre-involved and focused and other things, other things that we pour in the jar of our life that really amounts to water or amounts to sand or pebbles. Amen. They might be good things to have. Amen. They might uh, help us a little bit, but it's keeping the very important things to you out of your life. Let me tell you something. Once your parents are gone from this earth, they're going to be gone for good. You're not going to have an opportunity, amen, to go to their house or, or them to come by to see you. It's the same way with other family members. Hallelujah. Those of you that's got children, and we got some small children in our congregation, amen, and you see how quick, amen, they grow up. Amen. One minute you're holding them in your arms, and the next minute, amen, you're walking them down the aisle. And you say, where does the time go? Amen. Amen. We all will benefit more if we learn, amen, to put first things first. If you believe that, give Jesus a hand clap today. I believe we're all guilty of not keeping things, amen, in the right order. Brother T.F. Tenney from uh, uh, Louisiana wrote a book a few years back entitled Keeping the Main Thing the Main Thing. Hallelujah. Uh, that's kind of difficult for us to do today because we have so many things pulling at us from one side to the other and things that we want to cram into our lives that a lot of times what our life is filled up with is really not the things that we would miss the most once they're gone. You hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. I believe it's God's desire for his people, amen, to have a great life. He said he has come to give us life and that we might have it more abundantly. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God don't want you just to live it and get by. Hallelujah. 
He don't want you to go through your life, amen, amen, dealing with one problem after the other problem. Amen. God wants you to have a abundant life. Now, that's not talking about eternal life that you're going to have later. That abundant life is right here during this time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you are not living and experiencing an abundant life, then you're not walking in what everything God has designed for you. You are missing out. You're missing out. God has got a plan. He's got an order. That if we can keep the order of God, if we can keep things in the right order, if we can put the bigger rocks in the jar first, then we can have room to get everything else. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And a double L all these things shall be added unto you. That is a promise in the book. Hallelujah. And if Jesus don't feel fulfill Matthew 6 and 33, then none of the rest of the Bible is no good. We will have to throw it away, walk out of the place, amen, and go do something else. But Jesus said it. It's a principle. Hallelujah. And it's something he's promised you. Oh, my Lord, I feel his presence this morning. There are three necessary commitments. <laughs> yeah, I did. I used the word commitment. Because to be able to keep things in the right order, you're going to have to make some commitments in your life. Hallelujah. You're going to have to set some boundaries in your life. Amen. To say, we're going to live by this. We're going to do this. And if what I'm talking about will help you see fulfilled this scripture and many others, why would it not be most valuable to us and help us to make these commitments? There are three necessary commitments that we must make if we desire to make the most of our life while we prepare also for the life to come. You see, we're not just concerned about this life, but we're concerned about that other life. Amen. Eternity. Hallelujah. And there's some commitments we've got to make if we want to get the most that God has for us in this world and then make it to that eternal world ahead. Talking about this, these three things we're going to share. Talk about God first in relationships. That's a commitment that we have to make. God needs to be first in relationships. If you want to live, amen, the best life in this while we're here, and experience and be able to put as much into the jar and receive as many of the blessings as you can, you've got to have God first in relationships. One of the greatest areas that many people are harmed by are in their relationships. Come on. Now I want you to think with me on this. That's one of the greatest areas that many people 
create harm by their own self through relationships that they form. Now, when I say put God first in your relationship, I mean allowing God to have the authority of who you allow to enter your life. That's not being mean. That's not being cruel. According to the Bible, that's being wise. Hallelujah. I said according to the Bible, that's being wise. We need to allow God to have the authority of who that we open up and let people come in, be it friendship, friendships or what other kind of marriage relations or, or whatever it may be. We need to give God that authority and quit trying to take it from him. Those who you give access to be a part of your life have the power to help you or hurt you. They have the power to promote you or fail you. Hallelujah. I believe in the old adage that you probably have heard. You are known by the company you keep. There are people serving time in prisons now. Now, when you get down and you dissect all the things that went wrong in their life, there are people serving prison times that are actually there because they got into the wrong company. It's a fact. There are people all over this world who are held back and not able to, uh, to achieve everything God wants for them everything God has called them to. And let me say, I believe, this preacher believes, that God has got a plan for every person's life. I believe when you was born, you have a destiny that God, amen, has issued you long before you was ever thought of. Hallelujah. But there are people all over the globe who are being held back and not being able to go up and they'll, they'll wonder, what's wrong? I work hard. I don't understand it. I work hard. I try to achieve. I try to do this. They're held back not by their lack of effort. They're held back not by their lack of talented, uh, being talented. There's people who's got good talents. Or even a calling. There are people who's got a calling of God upon their life that's not able to step into that calling because they're being held back by the ones whom they choose to associate with. Hallelujah. Folks, we got to make a commitment. If we want to go beyond, if you want to get beyond just living day by day, Amen. But having that abundant life, amen, we got to put God first in our relationships. One writer says, I love those who love thee, O God. Now, where a lot of people mess up, they get the wrong idea about evangelism. They get the wrong thoughts 
about being salt and light, light in this world. Listen, we, we got to be salt and light. We got to be a witness and we got to try to win people in. But you don't run around with them and you don't sit down at the bar table with them. Amen. And drink with them. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're with somebody that's not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, your effort, main effort at the time is, is being a witness to them. But there's a, there's a line that you've got to draw. There's a line. I, I look back over my life and I see people. I know. I don't know all the names that's in there, but I, I, I know there's, there's one or two names that's in this bowl, and I'm sure there might be more than that, of people that we're praying about that are backslid. You know why they're backslid? They got involved with the wrong company. Hallelujah. They allow people to hinder them. If you got a friend, now this is going to be tight now. If you got a friend that the only time your friend wants to come to see you is on church day or church night, there comes a time you got to say, you're going to have to come another time or don't come. There's no friend worth your relationship with God. Hallelujah. Amen. There comes a, I mean, you know, you can know if this thing begins to get habit forming or not. And if the only time they want to have a relationship with you, coming by to see you, calling you on the phone, or whatever it may be, it's when it's time that you're supposed to get ready to go worship God, you're going to have to make a choice. Is it going to be God or is it going to be that friend? And I'm going to tell you, folks, it's not very much of a friend that desires to keep you away from the things of God. Hallelujah. Not much of a friend. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion have light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? You see, folks, we got to put God first in our relationship. And if there's a relationship that's pulling you away from God, pulling you away from what God wants for you, how he wants to bless you in your life, it's time for you to make some choices. Hallelujah. It's time for you to make some decisions. Could be a hard decision. But remember, we're working for the eternal. Can you say amen? Number two, the second commitment that we have to make is God first in finance. We're talking about how, how, how to be happy and live abundant life down here. If we want to do that, if we want to have the favor of God, amen, upon us, amen, we got to put God first in our finance. Putting God first in your finance means being a good steward over what God has enabled you to earn 
and possess while in this life. You notice I said being a good steward. Now, it's been a few years back. It was over at the old building. But I spent several Wednesday nights teaching about the words of God. And for those of you that was a part of that, if you can remember, you'll remember how we broke that word steward down according to the Greek language. It actually means a manager. A manager. Being a good manager over what God has allowed you to earn and possess in this life. See, uh, he's not here this morning. He's out, but Brother Kenneth, he worked as a store manager of H.G. Hills in East Nashville for several years. He went there to work. He was a manager. He was the top one in charge over that store. But did he own anything in that store? If he wants to back up his vehicle to the back door and start loading stuff up, because, hey, I'm manager. He wouldn't have never made it to retirement there, would he? Well, I don't know how this will make you feel, but that house you're living in, you don't own it. God has blessed you to manage it. Hallelujah. That paycheck that you earn, hallelujah. Brother, Brother Travis is earning, having earned today. God blesses him to be able to do that. And if one thing I have learned, and since I've talked about Brother Travis, I've learned, amen, about him, he believes in giving. And that's what we're talking about here, putting God first in our finances. I don't own nothing in this world. It all belongs to God. Hallelujah. He, he allows me to be a steward, amen, and to manage that and to take care of it. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. God's blessings, and listen to me, God's blessings to us are not meant to hoard for ourselves selfish gain. Come on. God's blessings to us are not meant so we can hoard a bunch of stuff to ourselves for selfish gain, but to invest in His kingdom. We do that by having a generous heart and a compassionate spirit. A genuine, a genuine, to be generous and have a compassionate spirit. Proverbs chapter 19, verses 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. My, my, my. <laughs> Glory. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he, who's the he? The Lord, will pay back what he has given. <laughs> my, 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 my. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He who lends to the poor. If God has blessed us, Amen. Then we ought to be generous. If God has been generous to us, if he's been compassionate to us, 
then we in like turn should be to our fellow man. Hallelujah. And those who don't have, hallelujah. Let me tell you, folks, that's one main reason why we're sitting where we're sitting right today in this church. Hallelujah. Tim Downs, a young man that I admire greatly, went to Atlanta, Georgia, started a church from scratch, didn't have nothing or nobody backing him. But he went there for an outreach. Just after, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't about, didn't take but three years. This man, his church, the Atlanta Hope Center, owned a whole strip mall area that God blessed them with. You know why? Because after taking his wife and his family, walking away from a good-paying job, going to Atlanta, opening up a shop in the worst part of Atlanta, this man went to the police department in Atlanta and asked them what was the worst part of town. And they told him that's where he went and planted a church. When things would get tight and he didn't have no money and no funds and he needed things, there have been several times that he was down to his last $20 bill. He had bills to pay. And he said, well, I only got, only got the 20 bucks anyway. He took that 20 bucks, went down to the nearest uh, McDonald's, and on that, on that dollar menu bought, would, would buy 20 of uh, those dollar hamburgers and go back out and pass them out to the homeless in Atlanta. Did it more than one time, time after time. Now they own all of that that they have, running buses that you wouldn't believe, amen, bringing people in from all over the Atlanta metroplex area. People coming in, God blessing them. Hallelujah. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. Let me ask you a question. We all believe in the concept. I believe everybody here believes in the concept. If you make a debt, then you're entitled to pay that debt. Amen? If you sign your name, amen, uh, to, a, to a contract, amen, then that's your responsibility to pay that debt. And I believe I can give you scripture where the Bible says God requires us to do such. Let me ask you a question. If God, if you lend to the Lord, do you think he's going to let that go and not get it paid back? And Brother Bobby Sometimes it ain't, it ain't in money. It's something a lot better than money. Sometimes it's a lost loved one coming to God that you used to think was going to be lost, but they're not lost no more because you have lent to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Oh, my, I've got to move, I've got to move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. 
Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now, it don't show it on the screen there, but if you look at that word wealth, in the King James Version in your Bible, you'll find that word wealth is parentheses, italics and italics. That means that when they, when they translated it, they added that word wealth. And all indications are that a closer interpretation of that is let no man seek his own, but every man another's welfare. Amen. Seek another's welfare. Folks, we need to be concerned over one another. Hallelujah. Just as I'm concerned about being able to pay my light bill, number one, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't want the current cut off. Amen. But you know what? I should be just as concerned that my brother and sister, if they need help, come on somebody. Now we're talking about what real Christianity is all about. Hallelujah. Let no man just seek his own welfare, but every man another's. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses, 16, uh, verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall uh, reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully, my Lord. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity. God don't want you giving because you feel like you're obligated. If you drop money in the offering pan, or if you, go, if you help somebody that's in need, if you do it just because I have a sense of obligation, you've already cut off your blessing. Hallelujah. Whatever we give, I realize there's a, still today, after all these years, there's still a lot of arguments between different ministries, you know, about uh, tithes and all that. But notice the, the, the writing under the new covenant, under the New Testament covenant, covenant that, we, that we have. Amen. The fact whether or not you put 10% in the offering pan it's not going to have nothing to do with your salvation. It's not going to have anything to do with your salvation. But it will have a whole lot to do with how you are being blessed. Hallelujah. And if we give the way the New Testament gives, it's going to be a whole lot more than that anyway, isn't it? It's going to be a whole lot more than that anyway. So, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. How many times we've seen this in, in the church? By the way, I wasn't scheduled uh, at Hot Springs Conference, and uh, I wasn't scheduled this year to up and and preach. Uh, there's so many ministers in our association that 
you know, it, it takes a while to to get around and, and to be able to use uh, uh, people, so I, I wasn't scheduled. And uh, so I was surprised when uh, I was called upon one night to come and give our testimony. It was the night that they were talking about everything that had been done over the campgrounds. And uh, the word had gotten back, amen, how that God had doubled back what we gave. But that, that, that is nothing compared to what we have seen and what we have done. I know that there were some people in the congregation back when we first started this thought Brother Sammy done lost his mind when we only had $600. And I come back telling you God had put it upon my heart to send 500 of it to Russia. Brother Penrod stood up and spoke these words. He said, he said that's not the only $5,000 give Christ Family Church has given. He said when there was an earthquake in Haiti and 250,000 people lost their life and a pastor lost his holy house for him and his family, the need was put out in Christ Family Church because of what we'd given in the past had enabled us to that we sent $5,000 to Haiti to rebuild that pastor's home. And that pastor and his wife and his children, listen, you know all of that? I just talked to, to a man who just got back from Haiti. You know 90% of those 250,000 people that were killed are still buried under the rubble? There was not, it, it was so much, all those buildings just fell flat with all them people in them, them high and just fell flat, and they were left there, and it's been several years now. But in the midst of the rubble, you drive down one road, Brother Bobby, and there's a, there's a home, and a pastor and his family's living there, and it's because of this decision. It's because of the compassionate heart I'm going to tell you, folks, if we learn these things and we practice them, we will be blessed by God. Let me move on to the third and final thing. I could talk more about that, but I've got to move on. The thir a third commitment is God first in daily living. In daily living. If we want to be blessed by God, if we want to keep our priorities right and keep everything in order, then we've got to put God first in daily living. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and through 7. Put that up. I'm going to go ahead and put it up. Now I want you to follow these scriptures closely. Notice he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
Be anxious for nothing, or don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, oh hallelujah, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Sister Debbie, go ahead and come to the keyboard if you will. God first in daily living. How do we put God first in daily living? He said rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Church, with all the negative energy which is being produced in society today, it becomes increasingly difficult to maintain a positive attitude. Hallelujah. With all the negative stuff that's going on, it becomes increasingly difficult for you to keep a positive attitude, a positive outlook on things. That's what I believe Paul is referring to here when he said rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He wasn't talking about us just jumping up and down and, and, and shouting and running the aisles and, and, and all of that. But he's talking about, amen, keeping a positive attitude. Rejoice in the Lord. If you can't rejoice in what's, because of what's going on in the world, don't rejoice about that, but rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Keep a positive attitude. Hallelujah. Stay positive. Amen. Don't let the devil and the world stuff weigh you down because it'll drown you if you let it. Hallelujah. I believe that's what he's talking about. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I'll say rejoice. Keep a positive attitude. In the midst of all this negativity, amen, have that rejoicing spirit. Be positive, amen. Get up every day expecting something good. Don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, no, another Monday. If you look for something good, God will send something good your way. And then, as your daily life, he said, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is in hand. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about nothing. Put it in God's hands. Keep your outlook positive. Rejoice in God. Even when things happen like they do, Still rejoice in God. Stay positive. Don't let the enemy cause us to get downhearted and, and, and downcast. Like the song that was sung a while ago. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Praise God for saving me. Hallelujah. Put God first in daily living. Don't let the things of the world get you down and drag you under because it will most definitely do. Let's stand together.
We're going to open the altars right now. If there's somebody needs.